am I going? I am going. Okay, so our five minute alarm is on. Wow. So article four. What? Oh, it's the new Sharon Sun, but it oh, distributes <clears throat> to a couple different papers, I guess. I, I'm told there's, I don't know, Fremont, New Sharon, whatever else is in that. They have a Pastor's Ponderings column or whatever that the, some of us are on rotation for. <clears throat> this was my week, so I had to get that done. I didn't bring my lighter today. What do you got here? Oh, here. sorry. I was worried about the pre-draw. Can't talk about the cigar until the timer goes off. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. It probably is fair. Anyway, mm. so so you were kind of working hard to get something ready. Yeah. <clears throat> you know how it is. Yep, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't written for a long time though. Which is one of those things I think I'm probably supposed to do again. Mm, that's, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to talk. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, it's, it's incredible to me how much I struggle with writing when I don't usually struggle with words, mm -hmm. but I do struggle with writing really bad. Probably I just need to practice more and gain some confidence in that arena, I suppose. Can I ask you, uh, do you write everything and then go back and edit, or do you edit as you write? Um, generally, I edit as I write. You'll tell me that that's the wrong thing to do. Probably. I will give you the context of my story. I'm just going to say, hmm. <laughs> that's what I, yeah. I think that's exactly what my yeah. response was. <laughs> Um, I had a friend who was a high school teacher who loved teaching writing. So all of her master's studies, the continuing ed that she was forced to do, she's like, oh, I'm just going to do all this cool writing stuff. And she got into some guy whose name I don't remember, that, and his thing was a free write. Yeah. And it was, she was hilarious. And because I could just see her doing it. I never actually went to her classroom, but I could see her doing it. She said she was the uh, watchdog to make sure you were writing, and all you do is you write. Um, it's for, like, if you have kids, write five minutes. Mm -hmm. like, you, your pen cannot stop moving. You can write the same word over and over again. You can write, you can, you can, you have to write a word, but, you know, you can write stupid stuff. But if your pen stops moving, I'm the guard dog of the, of the pen. That she'd, be, she'd be going, <laughs> she'd start barking at red no, school students would just laugh hysterically. And then they would, you know, start writing. <laughs> it was just a high school teacher barking at her kids, and it was so funny. And um, but I started not. It led me. I started doing some free writes, and mm. I started editing less because, for me, this is just my story. I would catch myself forgetting to write down thoughts or words I had as I was editing, and so I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing and writing until I got to a place where I'm could stop, and that doesn't necessarily mean the end, but where I could stop and say, okay, I'm going to look at this section. Yeah. And that was a big when, deal for me. <clears throat> when I try things like that, <clears throat> what inevitably happens, and, I've tried, and I've, I've tried to do that before, what always happens is that I'll start five different articles. Because I, I get thinking, and I'll spin that off, and I'll go that direction for a while, and then I'll spin off, and I'll go that direction for a while. I just about have to put the complete thought. I mean... Again, more training and practice. I might yeah. be a totally different style, but well, it, uh, when I have a deadline, I got to get a piece of content out in the next yeah. forty-five minutes. Then <laughs> just do what I got to do, I guess. And that that same thing happens to me, by the way. When I would write, I would go back, and I might have three paragraphs, but they're not even paragraphs at that point. You know. Just, yep. I thought I need to make a break here. So, but then you're like, oh, well, that I don't even want to say that mm -hmm. in this article. So you just throw it over into the junk pile and come back to it later. And uh, but you can really, you can really, um, you crank out a lot of content, and then you can edit down creatively, edit down what you want to say. 
because it's way more than just facts. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. know, but that's what that's what that's my story. Well, and yeah, to up to this point, I have not really had to write anything of any length. Usually, I'm usually within five or six hundred words. So all right. So then. It's a little bit different than if you had to write 500 pages. Of yeah, that's true. A lot of content. All right. Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. Mm-hmm. I'm Doug. I'm Joe. <laughs> and it's early. We're, we're talking in the morning today. Yeah, is it 8? Uh, eight, it's past 8. It's, okay. It's 8.30 right now. All right. Early in the morning, which is unusual for us. Um, I don't think I've ever... I'm not sure I've ever had a cigar at 8.30 in the morning. I'm almost always afternoon. Yeah, I'm pretty days. sure I have it. That's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> is there a rule again? Is, there, is that a faux pas? I didn't even think about it. I don't think so. Um, Sat down and lit up. If I know the cigar rules, I would probably say this is more of an evening cigar according to the rules. Not that I care. This is what I wanted to smoke this morning. What qualifies as a morning Before we get to what we are smoking this morning, what qualifies as a morning cigar? It seems like the rule is a lighter cigar and... If, if there's one that's lighter, creamier, and coffee. The creamier, the coffee thing seems to lend itself to a to a morning. Um, I don't, you know, if I'm ready for a cigar, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of light cigars, period. I don't want to get hit with nicotine, but flavor, I want, I want a lot of flavor. I don't care when I'm smoking it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's my thing. I don't necessarily follow that rule. Very good. So, today... We're smoking an evening cigar in the morning, <laughs> and we're uh, enjoying the Rocky Patel Vintage 1992, which, uh, I don't know, Doug, you, give, us the, give us the rundown on the 92. Well, you wanted to say something, and I stopped you and said, we can't talk well, until I mean, the alarm went okay, off. Okay, so <laughs> without, without getting into the technical yeah. specifications of the cigar, the first, Doug and I, both of our reactions were the same. As soon as we lit the cigar, mmm. <laughs> it was really nice. Yeah. Right off the front. Right yeah. off the front end. So. I think uh, I was getting, I think it was just a a nice, sweet, what I would call cocoa, right off, right off the bat. Um, and the, the pre-draw was was kind of light, lightly sweet, kind of, I, I might, might say a hay kind of cocoa, and no, no spice, not getting any spice to speak of on the. Mm-hmm. Now that it's lit, agree. It lit well. It looks beautiful. I think these are church. I think these are box pressed Churchills, but I'm yeah, not sure. That's what I would assume. So I like this. Uh, I like a Churchill. I do, and I like the box press because it feels fancy. I guess, but <laughs> but uh, it's a I good look, size. I was looking at Perfectos on the internet this morning just because Perfectos are kind of like crazy fancy. Like I don't know. That's most the most elegant looking cigar style. I think it's one of the hardest ones to roll, too. I'm sure. Oh, but yeah, sweet, nice. I'm noticing that I'm already, I mean, I'm only half inch in maybe, but I'm all, I'm noticing that I'm liking it. it tastes better when it's cool, mm-hmm. without, without a real hard draw. So it might take a while to get through this one. It might. We've got time. Yeah. So... Well, of course, our podcast will wrap. Yeah, we'll wrap. Yeah. Done, so, <clears throat> but um, but good start to the cigar. So, so um, what's on your mind? Well, I uh, I don't know. Maybe you better start. I'm not really up on things right now. I've been doing pointing my attention in other directions. So I don't know as far as current events and news go. I'm kind of on the short end of the stick. Well, um, okay, okay. Let me let me just throw out four or five things. I have an, an idea of what I'd like to like to talk about. That isn't necessarily current event, but there's, uh, you know, the 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 other school shooting. That's a little old because it's probably last yeah. week's news. Yeah. The Trump canceling the uh, Korea thing. Um, that's kind of that's kind of old news. Ongoing ESPN's political now instead of a sports network. That's kind of a fun yeah, thing to talk about. Um, uh, we yeah. got Roseanne. Roseanne, that's, that's a big that's, deal. That's pretty hot yeah. and fresh. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. Oh man. Oh, I was. I will note that. I mean, this is the morning, so it's a little bit. We're not a morning show, really. But right. if we were, we would be talking about that Trump canceled with Kim Jong Un, 
but didn't with Kim Kardashian. That was all over the news, I guess. <laughs> that uh, they met about uh, prison reform, apparently. She's advocating for prison reform. She's got some friends, apparently, in there. On the inside. Somebody... Hey. But but can I say one thing? Yeah, Since this is our morning show, yeah. I saw a headline. It was Newsweek or something that said something about Kim Thong Un instead of <laughs> Kim Jong Un. Gosh, that's funny. <laughs> Had a picture of her standing next to the president in the Oval Office. I thought, yeah. oh man, yeah. this is a new low. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but funny. I I, lo- I oftentimes laugh at things that aren't. I remember sixth grade. I was on the front of Dredge this morning, actually. Was it? Yeah. I remember in sixth grade, I, the teacher was up in front of class talking, and she was saying a sentence slow as she wrote it, and I finished her sentence, and the whole class burst. I don't even remember what I said, but just burst laughing, and she started laughing, but that, that doesn't mean I didn't get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you can do wrong things, oh, yeah. bad things with humor and still be super funny. So uh, That's true. Yeah. So I, I, I have to confess, I... I'm not sure I have all the details, but what I heard, if it's accurate, it just sounds like Kim, Kim Kardashian has somebody she wants to get out of prison. Maybe she really wants prison reform, or maybe she just has a well, friend. And, I, don't know. I think that, I mean, I don't, I have no idea what kind of reform she's looking for, but I do think we could stand for a little prison reform. I, know, I heard the president talk about that, I don't know, it's been a week or two ago, maybe, mentioning something about it, but... I think we got a problem in the prison system. We have, we have, I, I forget all the statistics, but the percentage of our population that is incarcerated is very high, according to statistics or whatever. And I just think that from what I have read and learned that it is kind of an industry. We, we've, the government, instead of running the prisons, has hired out companies to build and manage these prisons. And so then, therefore, the government guarantees certain they guarantee these companies that they'll have a certain percentage of their beds filled because it's a for-profit industry and so we create laws to get people incarcerated so we can fulfill a contract with the government it's like what that seems a little bit not right yes yeah. <clears throat> yeah and so and also we we have a we have a problem with our prisons, but I think we also have a problem with our politics. If we're if we have a a TV star asking another TV star to come in and have a discussion about prison reform, shouldn't you have like experts on prison on prison reform coming in to talk to you, not Kim Kardashian? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know the power of celebrity. I know. <clears throat> we we get starstruck. Yeah, <clears throat> it seems to be. I mean, when Trump won the presidency, I think there was this huge sort of, I think part of the shockwaves of that were that other celebrities began thinking about if they could make it. I mean, we saw, what, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, say he was thinking about running. Um, we've had others. Uh, how me think. Can you think of any others? That one just, Oprah. Oh, yeah, Oprah. Dor- uh the other rock and roll guy, Kid Rock. Kid Rock, right? The Rock, Kid Rock. Yeah. Kind of Wait a second, we're seeing a trend. But yeah, I mean, and I think the left is especially sort of thinking about that because they they don't have much policy they can run on, or but they can you can they can use celebrities to try to get the, win the popularity contest. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. By the way, I don't think it's time for an update. But I just want to ask a question to you about the cigar. So I can think about it? Yeah, and answer if you want. Is it cocoa or is it coffee? It either changed or it might be coffee, so I want... Yeah, I don't know yet. Okay. I'll have to th- I will have to think about okay. that. I'm not sure either, but it might, there might be... And they're close, anyway. Cocoa and coffee are close, but... Okay. Okay, so let's continue down this. I think cocoa. Okay. Final answer. Okay. I, don't, I don't even need to phone a friend on that one. Okay. All right. Well, um, so I want to talk about... <coughs> How the government should generate money via a tax at some point, but I mean, I, I don't want to throw that out there now so we don't forget to come back to it okay. before we, you know, before we hit the thirty-minute mark or something like that. But you know, I know I know very little about prison reform, but I'm, I'm completely behind you where it's it's a business, and when when the government hires somebody and then there's a for-profit business that's tied into, there does seem to be something weird happening. I'm not necessarily against that. Mm-hmm. 
but there seems to be this weird dynamic in your incentives. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and we see it across the board with when when government hires out contractors to do to carry the sword. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. Can we clump prisons in with carrying the sword? You know, mm-hmm. so when you have private contractors doing military work, when you have private contractors doing police work, and when you have private contractors doing the the punishing work, I guess you could call it. I think we run into trouble, and I would kind of lump that all into into the whole in military industrial complex that we were warned about by well, who was it? Uh, Eisenhower in his farewell address. Hmm. I think it was Eisenhower. I'm gonna. I feel like an idiot not knowing, but okay. he said that we have to be warned against gains in power, whether they they're sought or unsought mm-hmm. by the military industrial complex, because really it's a lot <clears throat> cheaper for us as a country to hire things out, but when we when we make it for-profit companies go out, you know, do that work, then they have, a, they have an interest in there being unrest, they have an interest in there being crime, they have an interest in, you know, keeping their business alive. It does seem to be an odd incentive. It's, <clears throat> and that's why he warned us, like, hey guys, watch out for this. And now we see it around the world with all these contractors and things, and we're, we're the, uh, maybe I'm rambling, but we're the Pinkertons? That was a private detective agency, wasn't it? And there was all kinds of corruption way back Boy, maybe I read about. It. I can't even remember what the Pinkertons is, and I read about it like in the last five or six years. But yeah, so I. Hmm. So if you're now it's coffee. Okay. See, I, I'm thinking it's coffee too. I was going to argue with you, but it wasn't time for an update yet. So it's changing. Um, you're right; it is changing. It could be both, I suppose. But um, if you're if you're hiring somebody to do something really measurable and really positive to you're hiring someone to build a building. So you hire a contractor, they build a building, they build its specifications, it's done or it's not done. When you're hiring somebody to to displace a negative, then their incentive is if there's more negative, we get more money to displace the negative. Right. I don't. I'm really struggling for words, but I'm trying to put words to this and explain why there's a difference. So well, there's two different pieces. Here, here, here's the way I look at it. If I, as a business owner, can create demand for the product that I sell, mm-hmm. the product or service that I sell, then then that's good. I create demand, you know. And but when, yeah, when when in this context. That's a really bad thing. If I can create a demand for people to eat more chicken, and I sell chickens, then I'm not really going to hurt anybody. I'm just going to create demand for chickens. But if if I'm going to create demand for law enforcement, people are going to get hurt. So, well, is there an answer? Do I'm not sure I have an answer. I mean, I always default to small government, but is small government an answer? Maybe. I think maybe in this case we need more government and less mm-hmm. private companies in the, in the business of carrying the sword. So, then when somebody says more government, I always say more federal government, more local government. Well, let me put it this way. Okay. Maybe not more government, mm-hmm. but we need government to actually do its job instead of outsourcing its job. Because mm-hmm. I think that, I mean... From a Christian perspective, uh, administering justice is certainly a is certainly a, a job of the government. I think we can agree on. And, th- and uh, what would that fall under? Is, is it constitutionally a job well, of the federal uh, government? Would be my next. Would question. be securing people in their possessions and in their in their homes and in their possessions and and providing for the common welfare. I think getting rid of crime would definitely be part of that, wouldn't it? Boy, I think so. Making it easy for people to do business. Everybody should just move to rural areas where it's safer. It's yeah. less crime. <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 difficult to know, but I think that certainly there are things that are very broken in what we have right now. I don't always know what the solution is, but I think that there are so many. And this this is actually a problem I think that's gone into other areas of government where Congress gives away their response their responsibility to do something uh like for instance we have the federal reserve bank because congress basically signed over they gave over their responsibility to coin money, the government's responsibility to coin money and gave that to a private institution 
So every, almost every time the government has a job to do, and they say, well, we don't really want to do this, it's too confusing, it's too hard, whatever, we're going to give it to somebody else to do that, and they give it to a for-profit entity of any kind, it just about, I think in my mind, I can't think of an instance where that's a good thing. But, but all you're doing is drawing the line at a different place, because at some point the line is going to be drawn somewhere, because if you need... Oh, did you show out? Yeah, I was talking. To oh, <laughs> so darn. I wasn't nursing... Um, <clears throat> well, at, because at some point, aren't you always going to pay somebody to do something? You're going to pay somebody to deliver the food to your prison, You're going, or you're going to make all the food yourself. At some point, that just becomes inefficient. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an efficiency person. I want m the money that we spend to yeah. be spent well. And I the bigger the government is, the more inefficient it gets, usually. I think maybe the problem, maybe the line that we can draw is when, and I'm, I'm asking this, maybe, oh, just lost your ass yeah. in your lap. Um, maybe when we're talking about the entire administration of the uh, for example, you know, it's one thing to hire somebody, like you said, to cater food to the prison. It's yeah. entirely another to oversee the entire administration of the prison itself. Let's see if we get a breeze or not. Huh. I was worried it was hotter outside than it is in here. We're, we're only at six. We're below 70, so let's open that door and get a breeze through. Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> I think this would be the... If we weren't the 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 worst produced, least listened to podcast in America, we could probably have some really smart guests on. But if we had called somebody, they'd probably like, how many listeners do you have? I don't know, seven. They're <laughs> 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 like... We, you know, we almost are, are out of our element, but it's, but again, we're we're about opinion and thoughts and ideas. We're we're not experts in most of the things we discuss. Not even cigars, but we definitely mm -hmm. enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a we. I feel that what we're doing, even even if we're not the expert, is that we're we're kind of fulfilling an American responsibility to be engaged with the things that 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 we're being presented with. You know, to be engaged and to talk about these things. It's not a bad thing because we're not experts. I think it's, uh, gosh, there, you, there we go again. See, the American people have given over a lot of their own responsibility yeah. because, oh, there's experts. There's people that can do it better. And uh, so I don't have to care about my health or about my education or about anything. I just let the experts do it. <laughs> Look at the mess we're in. Yeah, and it's interesting that we're in, we're in a season of existence for humans where there is so much information at our fingertips that we do almost have more, a bigger ability to self-regulate, to self-manage. Oh, for sure. Um, and and I don't, is, is it just America? Is it America that does it? Is it, is it only us that say, oh, listen, all I want to do, I want to watch TV, I want to surf the internet, I want to drink beer, and... Work hard enough to make money to do all those things, but anything else, I'll just pay you to tell me how to be healthy. I'll pay you, you know, yeah. to, to fix my problem. We're there, man. <clears throat> We're there. I, I had a really interesting <clears throat> conversation with a, friend, a good friend of mine a while back, and he posed the question, 5,000 years ago, the whole idea of amusement or entertainment was like not even a thing. And now it be, it's like the main pillar of, of our whole society is amusement and entertainment. You know? It's yeah. pretty wild how, how big of a place that holds in our lives. Amuse me. Amuse me. If you look at the actual meaning of that word, it's ah, prefix ah, which means not, and muse, which is inspire. Mm -hmm. or, so basically mm -hmm. we're looking to be amused. We're looking to get our brains turned off. In essence, that's what we're that's what we're wanting. Well, and this is interesting. I think there is. Yeah, I think this is a fact. It seems like there is less social interaction around our entertainment or amusement. It used to be mm -hmm. that there was some love. You had to be social to be entertained. <clears throat> you had to go to the 
to the local community square dance in order to have fun. You had to or go, go sit around the campfire to right. hear the stories. Yeah. Or even go to the theater, which you're not completely socialized there, but you were around other yeah. people. You had to buy your popcorn and talk to yeah. you know the stranger behind you. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we just hide out in our own little caves. <laughs> it's really fascinating because, you, I mean, there's so many rabbit trails that come off of that. You know, things like common courtesy... And just how to how to interact, relational skills are, that are also being lost. I, you know how much of it is contributed um, to by the fact that we're not being social to be amused anymore. You know? So this is just just popped up in my brain, and I think it's probably worthy of discussion. It'll get us a few minutes, and if we don't want to go back to something else, we might go to the tax thing. But there's, and this has been. I, I was in youth ministry for seventeen years. <clears throat> And so not only I care about youth, but I, I started to see parents even before I became a parent, how they handled their kids. And there seemed to be this idea, and I think it still exists today, that <clears throat> you you want to allow your child to develop and grow into their own person, but the underlying definition means also you want to let them develop and grow into their own morality, into their own... You know, it's like you don't want to tell them certain things are wrong because it should come from within them and grow from within them, <clears throat> which I think is contrary to the Christian message, which says it comes from without, mm-hmm. and there are there are certain key standards. And, and I just, I saw how that... E- even Christian parents today kind of have that attitude of... Not wanting to fall, I don't want to force them into just being like me. I'm like, well, force may not be the right word, but I, w- I like, you're a good moral person. Why wouldn't you want them to be like you? you know? <laughs> well, I think you know. that <clears throat> what I'm hearing is a blurring of, a, of a, a pretty important line, I think. And for one, there, there definitely is um, power in... Of the principle of of uh, self discovery, what I mean by that is not like discovering myself. What I mean is discovering ideas for myself. If I if I discover something for myself, I will carry it the rest of my life. If somebody tries to tell me, then I may never listen to them. You know the whole thing of, I guess this the point was illustrated to me by a men, in some mentor training that I took. Of he he said take a banana. He says everybody opens a banana. From the stem end, you know, if you, you grab a banana, you take, sure. you pull the stem off. He says, it's actually way easier, and all the animals open the banana from the other end. Really? And and if you try it, it's it's totally true. But unless <laughs> you do that for yourself, and you learn that I, that for yourself, then you'll never change. Interesting. And so, okay, so when we're trying to impart lifestyle or morality, as in your case, that you're talking about... There is an element, like, listen, you're going to have to go mess up a few times before you realize mm-hmm. and and learn for yourself, oh, wait a second, this really is important. So that's that's a good principle. But it's a terrible principle, to, to or it's a terrible way of thinking to think that morality is just going to magically appear out of someone. Yeah. And, and there is a line there, I think, that we have to, as parents or people, we do want to create an environment where we can foster a self-discovery of good morality. Yeah. I I, I agree, and I, and some of it has to do, I, I wanted to say initially it has to do with age. If you're dealing with kids up to a certain age, you actually are saying dogma. these, oh, yeah, yeah, dogma, these are the rules. But, but I don't know if it's exactly age. It might also be capacity. Because when I started to work on the farm... <laughs> I was pretty much at zero capacity. Oh, yeah. I didn't know the difference between a barrel and a gill. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I was at zero capacity. So I needed somebody to say, this yeah. is right, this is wrong. Now, later on, I get, I get moving through and I see, okay, those were the hard the hardline rules. But in some cases, you know, a few of those rules might blur a little. And then there's also, I can think. I can think now because I have a context. Yeah. And I have some uh, boundaries to think within. Yeah. So absolutely, um, absolutely right. So I think capacity and in some cases age really, which age is capacity, have to do with that. Yeah. 
Um, just so, a general maturity. Yeah. But there, there's also, you started to say a blurring of something, and, and, and I thought you were going somewhere else. But there's a blurring between um, giving moral, instilling moral values in your kids and allowing them to develop into the person they kind of already are. The, I don't, I'm not, I'm at a lack for the right word, the, the character, how, how they actually are something already. And you don't necessarily want to want to qua- uh, squash who they are, but you want to you want to give them morals. And in the what I see, I have two different girls, two different personalities of girls. Now they are different ages, of course, but you know, Isla when she was two is different than Fia now that she's two and a half. And so um, Tracy gets upset that one of them at age two was getting way more spankings than the other. That seems unfair. It's like no. The, the rules and the discipline are given out if you do this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, one of them did this way more than the other did this. <laughs> that might have to do with their personality, might have to do with some other things, but that those rules can't change. And, and so people try to blur that and say, oh, well, if this kid's getting too many spankings, then there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. parent, for spanking the kid... Some won't even spank anyway. But regardless, let's say discipline instead of spanking. Because you can discipline in any way you choose. And we even see Fia as, like, Isla's more of a thinker. Fia's more of a sensitive person. And so sometimes even when we're giving a little swap, Fia gets a lot lesser swap than I got. Because Isla's just this, my God, (laughs) I'm rebelling. I don't give a shit what you say. (laughs) I'm going to do this. And Fia's like... I just made a mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's where I, I thought you were going to kind of that blur when mm-hmm. you said blur. So that's yeah. that's some. Um, so well, that's interesting. You know, I, I think that there's there's something at play here that we don't talk about probably often enough. Um, maybe not necessarily in the context of this podcast or these discussions here, but just as Christians in general in today's culture, and that is the idea that, well, it's the it's uh, I'm not the question of whether people are basically good or other whether we're basically evil, because there's God has given us a boundary and said you will be most alive, you will be most human, and you will be most who I made you to be when you live within this boundary. Some of those lines are hard, fast lines. They're dogma. Don't kill each other. Don't murder each other. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Love God. Be like God. And when we do that, we it doesn't it doesn't squash us in the sense of making us less. It does make us less who we were born. Like, you know, I mean, we're I, I mean, totally, as much as we were born evil. Yeah, we were born evil, so we want to change that part of us. We don't want to. We don't want that part of us to blossom. You know, we want that to change. So, so, uh, you know that <laughs> blowing up here. So, I think that there's a misunderstanding for sure because if people think that you're born basically good, then we just need to dig deeper into who you are and let it come out. When in essence, I think that the Christ, a Christian perspective, a biblical perspective, is the opposite. We need to, you know, there are parts of you that need to conform. And when you do, then you become much more, you know. Now, all analogies break down, but the analogy I always loved, and we actually used this in youth ministry quite a bit, where you have a dog on a eight-foot chain, mm-hmm. and you have a yard that's, I don't know, 40 by 40 that's fenced in. <clears throat> the chain and the f- and the fence are are both boundaries. You keep the dog on the chain most of the time. Sometimes you let him off the chain, he runs around the yard, but the instant that the dog runs outside of the fence, he risks getting hit by a car. He risks doing something he shouldn't do that he could get hurt for. He risks mm-hmm. getting shot by a neighbor that doesn't want him, mm-hmm. you know, attacking his cat. And so those boundaries are put there to help the dog live wonderfully. And some people would say, like, oh, no, you shouldn't restrict your dog. You shouldn't, you know, and this all really, doesn't only relate to child rearing, it relates to humanity. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that some people have, have a, 
the, they, they confuse the morality with the the value of being human, and they they because we all are human, and because we are creatures of God, we are valuable and important in that sense. But the morality part of it, the humanness of it, that with regard to morality, is the thing that in general we are we are selfish. We're going to do what's best for me and me alone. Mm-hmm. If we don't have someone else saying, wait a minute, you need to take care of your wife, you need to take care of your kids. Yeah. You know, we can do it. Yeah. We see that negative, the negative side of that coming out in our culture. Cigar update or not? Um, Yes, but before that, can I just make, I want to, I just, something popped into my head that I want to share that I think makes this whole thing a little easier to understand. And I liked your dog analogy. Because it it matches with us. The fact is, the bottom line is, that we, just like your dog, or the dog in your story, have instincts that if we follow them, they'll get us in trouble. They will diminish life instead of, um, what's the opposite? I lost the word. It will Uh, diminish life instead of advance our lives, Yeah. yeah. And so those are the things that morality tries to deal with, you know. And so, anyway, cigar update. Yeah. Okay. My second ash fell off. So this hasn't; these haven't given long ashes at all. The ashes have been short. Um, and you had, yours is, you've got a little bit more cigar left, partly probably mm-hmm. because yours went out. It did, and I, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it's pretty consistent. I might have lost just, just now, might have lost a little bit of the sweetness. It's still maintaining that, that cocoa, that unsweetened, chocolate and it got a little more earthy and less sweet for me just now so do you, so <clears throat> earthier less sweet do you feel like it sort of went back from chocolate again to the coffee or did i say coffee <clears throat> you said it was cocoa. chocolate you said cocoa. yeah yeah chocolate's what i meant yeah well i you think said it lost the chocolate but they originally i was vacillating is it cocoa or is it coffee and i think i've decided it was cocoa all along it was. It, there, there might be some hints of coffee I'm missing, but I think it's been cocoa all along. Okay. I normally will have a cup of coffee as I'm smoking these cigars, and I'm, I don't today. But I'm wondering if that would would change what I'm tasting too. But it might. But uh, anyway, so I don't have too much to add to that. I did. I knocked off. I had a little bit of ash, probably three quarters of an inch or whatever. I knocked that off when, because I had to relight. Okay. Um, so, but I have not lost ash since then, but I think I'm getting close. Um, but yeah, it's staying pretty consistent for me, honestly. So, keep me on track. I'm a person that's way more concerned about flavor, and unless the cigar is not performing, if it's burning wonky, if the wrapper's tearing off, if the, if the cap is screwed up and it's unraveling, I'll get mad about it and say something. But I usually won't say on the podcast, hey, this is burning Awesome, you know it's great construction, but it seems to be constructed great. The where we where I cut it, it's great. It, the burn straight. We've got it humidi- humidized. Humidized isn't a word. Humidified <laughs> correctly. When my last ash fell off, it was completely straight. So, so we're doing good. Well, how long have you had these in the humidor? These have been in there quite probably a year. Had these quite a while. I, well, I haven't, I haven't bought any for a while. Mm-hmm. The ones that I bought recently are in a different humidor. This is kind of in my... The only ones that were... The Camachos were fairly new. Mm-hmm. They didn't stay in the humidor very long, but just about everything else... We didn't have any humidity issues with those, though. Nope. So, we didn't. So, that's good. I think the industry knows how to how to throw cigars in the baggie and ship it to you and keep the humidity. Sure. Most of the time, there's yeah. not in it. You can pull them out of those humidity packs, and they're usually all right. But uh. how, I, Okay, so that's kind of a fun thing to talk about. I've never ordered cigars, fine right. cigars. So how do you receive? Generally. You said humidity packs? Or yeah. What's yeah. About? Generally, though, they'll throw them in a baggie and... I can't confirm this because I've not researched it, but I've heard that like buying a baggie at Walmart is different than the baggies that they'll ship your cigars in. That's all I know. Research it if you want to know more information. But they'll throw your cigar in a special cigar baggie, and they'll put... Usually, I don't think I've seen anything other than the Boveda. They're just... They're like... 
they're the brand. They throw in a Boveda thing. It's flat, and it looks it looks like a paper. It almost looks a little bit bigger than a sugar packet, uh, maybe twice the size of a sugar packet. They throw in the baggie with it, and it keeps the humidity at the right um, level while when those cigars are shipped to you. Hmm. And if you're ordering a lot, like more than say five or ten, there'll probably be multiple baggies with multiple Boveda packs thrown in. <clears throat> That's how they ship them to you. Okay. Almost everybody ships them that way. So, um, all right, excellent. Yeah. <clears throat> should excellent. we jump? Should we jump to taxes? Yeah. Let's okay. Talk about taxes. So here's my. Uh, I just. I have a couple ideas and opinions, but how should the federal government, and maybe even it would warrant talking state government, how should they get? Their income, because the the income tax bureaucracy is far too huge. It's silly. It shouldn't exist. But the government does need money, and I'm willing. Not only am I willing, but it's a it's a responsibility of the federal government, I think, to to collect taxes to fund itself. But what is the right or the best way for that to happen? Not income tax. Not income tax. <laughs> okay, we agree. <laughs> yeah. Um. Man, we could take that a few different directions, huh? My my initial instinct I'm having to resist is to talk about why income tax is bad and it's not constitutional and everything like that. But the question that you present does does make a person think. What? I mean, how? Okay, so historically, maybe you don't know. I don't know. How were taxes generated before we had the income tax in 1913? Believe it or not, tariffs and what was the other one? Tariffs and forgot there's two two things initially when the federal well initially it was hey state you have to give us so much money this is what we need and the states just wouldn't give the money to the federal government they were actually struggling with that that was kind of initially well then it went to tariffs and it went to something else and without getting into a huge conversation tariffs is obviously a bad idea um but it they worked for it worked for a while. Things were small, yeah, and 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 there was probably there's probably reasons why it worked for a while, um, but you know, without getting into that, where we are today, if we just had to say, here's a law, boom, income tax is done. Here's the way we're going to fund ourselves. That Man, would be the way to do it. You know, the the thing is that I feel like I have to. We have to have a discussion before we can even go there. Is that we the government the federal government needs so much less money than it uses now. <laughs> so I mean, and, it could be, and the reason that's important is because right now, if you say how are we going to fund the government? Well, the government's need funds needs are so huge right now. Um, they don't. I don't think they need to be that big. For for one thing, the okay. So they collect money for income tax. We got to talk about the Federal Reserve because almost all of the money that's collected from income tax goes to pay the interest on the debt we have to the Federal Reserve. Almost all of it. So, so, I guess then the other question is, so how are they paying for the expenses now, aside from the interest on the, on the debt? So, I mean, we do have use... I mean... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally ignorant. I'm kind of sadly ignorant on some of this. But, but I think that... I th- honestly think that the, gov- the federal government demanding money from the states, the member states, isn't a bad idea. Um, I, I'm not sure that it's a bad idea. On the onset, idea. at least. Yeah. I, I, initially, they had our time collecting it. Maybe they wouldn't today if they just said, Iowa, you have to give us this. But if you want protection yeah. and you want services, then you have to pay. Um, I, I want... So that... Yeah, I'm not even sure where to go with that. Let me throw out the three or four ideas that I that I can think of. Okay, so maybe just I don't know how they would decide that. Like, how would they decide how much Iowa pays versus how much New York pays? I don't know. But um, th- there's also you mentioned in the past like a voluntary tax to the individual. The individual can decide. Oh, hey, I could pay this much. That's interesting. I, I like the, I always have liked the idea of a flat tax because someone that makes one dollar pays ten percent. Someone that makes ten dollars pays ten percent. So the guy that makes more money pays more because that's a percentage is um, equal or you know 
whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not using the right word there, but uh, so deciding a flat tax and saying, "Bam, this is it." That's still an income tax. It is based on income. It is, and I don't like, and I don't particularly think it's the federal government's business to know what I make. So that's, but that's why, that's my only hang-up with income tax. The other, and I hate sales tax, but when you say a federal sales tax, if if you spend a hundred dollars, you pay a dollar. If you spend a thousand dollars, you pay. T- Making it on spending, not on income, seems interesting, and it's there's probably you know enough everything's in place right now that that could be done pretty easily I think I mean are you going to I don't know how easy it is with the internet with Bitcoin with other things to say okay we're just going to spend this currency and it won't be tracked and so we won't have to pay tax I don't know if there'll be rebels black market stuff or not and I'm not sure that I care yeah you know sometimes yeah. you just have to say okay well one percent of the population does this black market thing who cares yeah I'd see that's okay so it's fun to these are fun conversations to have yeah. because there's so many possibilities and you, if, if we're given the ability to just wipe everything clean and totally rewrite the rules and not worry about what's feasible or what's able to be implemented or not then we can think of a lot of different ideas one thing I don't like about a consumer tax or you know uh, value-added tax or whatever is that not value-added tax? Yeah, that's different. Uh, what would you sales call it? Sales tax. Sales tax. Uh, sales tax is that in order to do that, we would basically have to give over information, not about what we made now, but about what we're buying. buying. So, which is almost a bigger uh, infringement on privacy than an income disclosure, kind of. Um, also, it would. It would we would basically have to allow the government to track every transaction. Cat so cash is gonna is like basically out. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna they're gonna want to switch, have total control over all movement of all money at that point. So I don't know. It's it's pretty, it's difficult. <clears throat> difficult. That's a difficult question, Doug. Yeah. I kind of, honestly, I mean, I think we would disagree on this, but I think tariffs almost is the best option. Yeah, you know, I'm so free trade, I like, I never want to talk tariff. Can you explain why that, why that's a bad idea in your view? Like, if we got rid of income tax, why it would be, why there would be negative consequences for taxing goods brought into the country. Well, free trade, I mean, free market trade around the world doesn't exist. So, it may never exist because we don't have moral governments in other places. We don't really have a moral government here. So, my utopia of free market I'll admit, doesn't exist, um, but I believe it's best. And so at that point, I want to say, okay, you shouldn't... In fact, the free market theory actually works even if a moral government, like even if Britain starts to subsidize its steel, so steel from Britain is cheaper than buying steel from America, so you ship steel from Britain. That's still better for America. If America says we're free market, you can do what you want. And if it's cheaper for you to get that steel there then you buy it, and in a, in a free market framework, that's better even though Britain isn't really doing what they should do. It's going to damage Britain. It's not going to help them. Mm-hmm. So, um, however, there may be some way in... Gosh. There may be some way to say, I don't know, everything that comes in has a 1%, has a 1% tariff. I don't know. Um, I should go back. There was one of the Federalist Papers... I don't know which one it is. I think it was pretty early on. They they talk about the the tariffs and and using that to fund the government and some other things. And but I'm not smart enough. I need to I need to get a collection of those and read through it. I don't. I'm not sure. I have a good answer. I the the flat tax is easy if you just say okay, we're not going to have this 
progressive, whatever it's called. I can't think of the right word, but where mm-hmm. people that graduated, graduated people. That, because that, there seems to, and the reason why is because that just seems hideously wrong. If you have ninety percent of the population can vote to charge ten percent of the population ninety percent, that seems morally wrong, and it shouldn't be allowed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so if everybody's paying the same ten percent, then we're fine. You can't, you know, nobody can vote to pay somebody more now. On the other hand, and this is getting a little off topic. <laughs> this is hard because <clears throat> that's still an income tax. If 90%, yeah. I don't know what percentage of the population smokes, mm-hmm. uses tobacco. But let's say it's 2%. If 98% of the population gets to vote that that 2% has to pay a tax on tobacco, that's not right either. Right. So... Um, you know, and, and they, they, they try to say, well, it be, you know, again, it has to benefit, and, and this goes back to our ben, a policy has to benefit all Americans. So tax all Americans 10%, all Americans are taxed equally, all Americans get the same benefit, you know. It is really difficult. I, you know, you almost, you know, I mean, I, I like to be, a, I like to just, Wipe the slate totally clean and think of it from the from the beginning as if nothing is established. Okay. But you almost I want so so my brain like the first idea that pops up is every American has a share in America. <clears throat> so if you could divide up how how much the government needs to spend, and this I think would really put a pr- pressure on the government to reduce that number. But what if we took the budget? And divided it by the people and said, this is your share of, and that's, this is your tax bill. Well, I don't think you get too many people um, to argue that if you're paying for services that you get. In other words, you know, if, if I'm not getting housing, assi- you know, I don't get mm-hmm. housing assistance, I'm not paying for, then I'm not paying for housing assistance. But you would. Because, because because we take the total budget divided by the total people, so whether you use the services or not, these are the services that were used. This is your share of of what we are, you know, have to have for the, right. for the next year. And I'm saying it's immoral to make me pay for a service I don't use. What you should do is, is if it's the federal government, yeah. they should say, this these services you benefit from the military. Mm-hmm. Every equally sure. Okay, so boom. This is what the military costs. Divide that up. We pay it. Sure. You benefit from you know, even granted. though even though we live in Iowa. Granted, if if the borders are being protected, we benefit from that border protection. Um, now, but when it comes to the the welfare state, uh, that see, that is not a service. See, yeah, and that's why I said it would put tremendous pressure on the government. Yeah. Because you can't. Okay, let's just. Things are things the way they are. Someone who can't afford food and is on food assistance obviously can't pay for the food assistance, otherwise they wouldn't be on the food assistance. Right. So we as a country have decided that we're going to take care of people in their shortcomings. So, again, pressure. If I don't want to pay for that program, then I'm going to try to get the program abolished, and I can do it more efficiently to my neighbor than I can through the government to my neighbor. Which I think efficiency is like twenty seven percent on yeah, something it's, it's like horrible. that. It's yeah. crazy horrible. So it would put tremendous pressure on, and there would be people that couldn't pay their share. Right. So then, what do you do with them? You sponsor them, or you? Then you have some sort of indentured. I'm so smart. I have answers to everything uh, yeah. you said so come far. On, come on. <laughs> First of all, I want to say up front that if you just said today, ten percent flat tax, leave, let the government spend just like they're spending, ten percent flat tax for everybody. I'd probably say yes. It, very little hesitation. Even though I hate the welfare state, I think it's morally wrong. I'd you would say yes. pay. You would pay a lot more than you pay right now. I, I'm not sure I care. Okay. Because yeah. that's morally right. You're right. Okay. Now, the reason. But you already said an income tax was immoral. Income uh, the graduated <laughs> sorry the graduated income tax is immoral. Okay. So an income tax income. as a general paying idea. for services that I'm getting benefit from is not immoral. Mm-hmm. So my only qualm then, if you just said ten percent straight tax, would be paying for things that is forcing me to give charity. That's morally wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I do also believe if they just eliminate the welfare state, that charity would t- charity would take care of itself. That that people would take care of people. I be- I believe that. Now, the <laughs> the interim is always the tough part when everybody gets dropped. You know, a lot of people just go to work <laughs> and not be on because they don't have income anymore. Mm-hmm. But then there'd be a lot of people in the interim that'd be like struggling. I get people take care of people. That's what that's what social organizations do. That's what religious organizations do. I believe it would be fine. But again, if you just said ten percent flat tax, maybe less than that. I don't know. We tried to come up with something that would work. Yeah. Um, I'd 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 stamp. I'd uh, not veto that today. But I do think. And I hadn't thought about it, but I agree with you that think that the pressure would be greater than it'd be huge, greater to get rid of the welfare state. That, what's I, the well, it, entitlements I, is there? I, there okay, yeah, entitlements. I also think that the pressure would be huge to reduce standing army. The standing army. Uh, I think that the tr- pressure would be huge to to, I mean, cut the Department of Education. I think one by one, I think these things would fall because when people say, wait a second, I do live in Iowa, I'm armed, I have a good defense around my place, why do I need police? Mm -hmm. Why do I need a sheriff? (laughs) I mean, that's getting silly, but but it comes to a point where if I have to pay, I can do, I can provide that service cheaper than the government can always. No matter what the service is, I we can almost always do it cheaper, you know, as individuals or or free association groups. Yeah. So and you can pretty much take it up to the whatever level you want. You can, and it's interesting because when you start talking about the market running the system instead of the government, I'm almost in favor of, like, a, I think, I haven't given this a lot of thought, but a market-driven police so if, if, if I live in a 20-block radius and everybody in that 20-block radius makes $5 million a year, by golly, we're going to pay and we're going to have really good police. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if I make less money, well, you know what? <laughs> okay, I've got to work with the people around me to, to do what we can. Yeah. And we can only do what we can do. Mm-hmm. And this idea that we can spend money we don't have or spend other people's money to take care of me is just silly. Yeah. Although, some of those rich people might be like, you know what, the ten sub-communities around us, it would really benefit benefit us to give some of them money, because then it would be cheaper for us. So then they'll start giving 1% or something to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just the way the market would drive that would just, I mean, I, even, I mean, even free market, I've heard about free market highways, you know? Oh, yeah. No longer having a Department of Transportation. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, who cares if there are two lines down the middle of the freaking highway? Quit spending money on paint. Really? I mean, honestly, I don't want to claim that I'm super smarter than everybody else, but I've driven 80 miles an hour in the Dominican Republic from Santiago to uh, Santo Domingo on a relatively smooth, probably asphalt highway, and it was fine. Yeah. You made it. Yeah, we made it. Yeah. It's you know in Honduras I saw the same thing where I don't know, the the roads I were way more unregulated than they are here for sure. And also you had poor people. Well, I told you this before probably. I don't think so. There were poor people that would go out. They didn't have jobs. They would go out and fix potholes and stand there by the pothole that they fixed and hold out their hands and people would stop and give them money for fixing yeah. fixing the potholes. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, well, and let we're me building tell you, our utopia here, aren't we? Done? I'll tell you something. It would it would initially piss me off, but I'd be really happy about it because my kids would be safe walking along the road. It pissed me off because I'm in a hurry everywhere all the time, and I don't. I know. I know that's a weakness of mine. When the tr- when the traffic is unregulated, it slows down and it's safer. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not because my experience in Honduras was you go flat out. Mm. It, it's it was well, we it was did, not safe. We did that on the big highway, but in but in smaller areas and towns. Oh people, man, oh, yeah. it, 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 my my experience in Honduras was it's it was full out okay. all the time. Okay, the the driver told us the key is at the intersections don't make eye contact because if they know that you see them, they're going. <laughs> okay, that that is different. Okay, I'll admit, that's different than my experience in Nepal. 
people were really polite and generous. If, okay, yeah. and there was it was kind of I don't think it's a law, and I really don't know if it's a law, but it's like if you were the first at the intersection, you know, whoa, okay, the guy second slows down, and you neither one of you stop, but you just you get through. Yeah. Well, you've yeah. seen these videos of these <laughs> massive, uncontrolled intersections in places, I'm sure. I have. It looks like total, total chaos, but nobody gets crashes. So I, don't know. I don't know either. But we got from... I think there's there's an under... Man, we've really kind of like... We were all over the... All <laughs> over the place. But I see, a, I see a principle emerging, and that is that is of take care of yourself. Self-responsibility. Don't count on... There are so much that we that we count on the government or the experts to take care of that ought to be our own responsibility. And wow, would the world not be a better place if people just took responsibility for themselves? We wouldn't need all this bureaucracy and regulation. And Don't they have that crisscross racing in Iowa somewhere where the tracks actually cross each other? Like figure eight racing? Figure eight. Oh, yeah, it's all over, yeah. Yeah, and, and they have accidents, but it's not like constant, right? I mean, they go through and don't hit each other mm-hmm. way more often than they do hit each other. I mean, that, maybe that's not the perfect example, but well, it's workable. It does work. Yeah, yeah, and they're going super fast. They're racing, you know. But they're, they're, they, if they wreck their car, they're out of the race. Yeah. You know? Good point. Good point. So, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because this... I, I will admit that this is all theory and my libertarian tendencies, my free market tendencies, um, they may cause some problems that we can't foresee if we could just change it all immediately. Sure. Um, but I but I do, in, in my heart, I do believe in some ways it's, it's morally right. So so it would, it would be better. Now at an unregulated intersection, does that mean some asshole can just zoom through and not self-regulate himself? Sure it does. Yeah, and that'll happen. That happens now. Yeah, that happens. And that's that's the illusion. The illusion is, oh, it's regulated, so we're safe. It's like, no, it's regulated. We're still, we, there's still unsafe things that go on. And, uh, hmm. Yeah, that's the truth. I can say in a culture that's as focused on self as our culture is, I suppose there would be more fear of unregulated intersections than there would be in some places where the, the culture is just generally more... Oh, yeah. You know, For sure. Has that drive to do what's right. Because mm-hmm. um, it is... Cause, because it is more than self-regulation. You also have a drive to to do what's right. And that's more than self-regulating then. When you have a moral... Even, even if it's not a Christian moral, if you have some moral to do what's right, that usually drives people... How are we doing on time? Right up on an hour. Right now, it's nine thirty. Okay, and do we start? So we're we okay. should be we should be pretty close. Oh, I guess I can look if I'm smart enough. I can just punch the button and look at this, and it should tell me a time if I'm smart enough. Um, I got to unlock my phone. This is where it's embarrassing. These are the things we should edit out, but we won't because. <laughs> Not yet. We can't, we can't afford a producer yet. So. That's right. If I push that red bar, it should go here. Yes, we're over an hour. We're at okay. one minute over. So, last cigar update, and we'll do a wrap. Well, I've got a little bit of a wonky burn coming out. I'm about, I don't know, halfway through the mm-hmm. cigar. Yeah. And uh, it's I've had a little bit of trouble. If I don't stay on it, it tries to go out on me. It went out a second time a little while ago, and now it's kind of burning a little wonky. So I don't know if it's operator error or if it's uh, the cigar. But I'm I'm still pleased with the flavor. Yeah. It's a good cigar. It's just I'm not driving it right. And I would say that mine's burning so perfectly because of your relight. Sometimes a relight can get you a wonky burn too. Um, that's a possibility. But yeah, flavor's consistent. It's the same. I do think the first third was just a tad bit sweeter. I agree. And the second, I'm about at the end of the second third, and since mine didn't go out, I'm going to assume that that's about the burn time. So, I smoked two-thirds of this cigar in an hour. We've still got, yeah, you know, we've still got a good chunk left, so we've got another 30 minutes probably here. A nice long Churchill. Yep, yep, beautiful. I love them because they're a little thinner, but longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, nothing more, nothing more to say. It's got, it's just consistent, had that 
um, unsweetened chocolate, that cocoa kind of flavor all the way through, maybe a hint of hay and sweet at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this, I think, because I think it might identify with some people, might identify with this idea. I really would, I know for a fact I would enjoy this cigar better with a cup of coffee. Just because it does have that sort of coffee, chocolate kind of taste, and I think that that would, that would help me enjoy this cigar. So maybe if somebody's out there going to try this, try, try it with a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't know. If I, if I had one again, I would, I would try it with a cup of coffee. Well, this is one of the fun places where we're, we're a little different. You're yeah, yeah. willing to pair stuff, right. and I'm not as willing to pair stuff. Um, like even even like drinking whiskey or something mm-hmm. with with a cigar, I like the whiskey. I don't want to taint either, mm-hmm. but I do know that pairings are are fun. Sometimes, yeah, you're so. a wine guy, so you know that I know that pairings work with wine. Benefit yeah. to that yeah. sometimes. So okay, so um, I guess that's gonna be our wrap. Why don't you do a quick closure for us? All right. You know. I guess we'll uh, we still got that offer hanging out. Do we have any comments yet? Have you checked recently? I haven't checked in the okay. last week, so I haven't checked either. But uh, if you said if you are the first one that we see that we that sends us a question or a comment, uh, we will send you a cigar. So that's still hanging out there. This it's been out there a while. So um, be the first person uh, to do that. And uh, so comment below. Get a hold of us. Uh, maybe you have an idea of something that you'd like to hear us talk about. Send us that too. And we'll wait to hear from you, but until then, I guess we'll talk to you next week. All right, DougAndJoeTalk.com. See you later. Now, I definitely paused it, because in the past, I haven't been stopping it. It's been going, and I've had to cut it. No, this is okay. So when I hit that pause button, it doesn't pause. So right now, stop.